You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Hey, Greg, I've got a movie for you. Great. It's an Ivan Reitman-directed action comedy where a paranormal threat needs to be confronted by a group of plucky underdog scientists completely out of their depth while the government tries to stop them. That sounds great. I love Ghostbusters. Oh, no, it's not Ghostbusters. It's the 2001 film Evolution, starring David Duchovny. Oh, I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the show where we take our thoughts about movies and spawn and multiply them at a terrifying rate. Uh, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are talking about the 2001 film, Evolution. Oh boy. Yeah. We thought that this would be timely because it just landed on Netflix, and uh, full disclosure, I was the one who pitched it. I had seen it when it first came out in theaters, and I remembered it being pretty corny, and I actually misremembered how bad it is. <laughs> I, I also had fond memories of it, as did some some friends of mine I mentioned that we watched this too. And one buddy was like, please don't tell me it's bad. He's I'm like, it's it's bad. It's pretty bad. I, I vaguely remember um, this movie being released. I remember having zero interest in it uh, when it was uh, released. I have zero interest in watching it, and I did not want to watch it. <laughs> So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like our last couple films have been actually pretty decent films that have been a joy to watch and which we, you know, yeah. we, we were able to tighten up the screws a little bit, but they were still really good. So it was about time that we just mm-hmm. watched something that was just miserable. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah a, it was about time that we we paid for those those good movies. Yeah. And boy, did we. And especially, yeah, it was one I wasn't like wholly against picking because I remember it being pretty watchable. But there's, there are, I, I, I'm like, I know this movie's, this podcast's all about like building up movies, trying to find things that we, we like about it and work with it and stuff. But I, I have so few good things to say about this one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's that my comic tastes have evolved or the movie's comedy just aged really poorly. But there was, I think, a funny line. In the movie, uh, probably a bit of chuckles. column A and a bit of column B, right? Like, I'd actually just yeah. dis- I disagree. Uh, um, I, I don't think it's a matter of your tastes changing or it aging poorly. I think this movie is is kind of unfunny in any decade it's released. Ouch! Like Fair it enough. really. I the more and more I think about the way the dialogue was delivered, especially the jokes the type of jokes where they were placed and how they were delivered really the three like cornerstones of a comedy yeah. um they they always bungled at least one of those three things at every joke every and then not enough of them yeah. yeah and even i think even the premise and the and the tone that it decided to take it also contributed to um you know didn't give the the language of comedy was not super possible with with the choices that they were making that's a great great way to phrase it like the language of comedy it honestly and i mean like it's not like sean william scott and the other people in this movie aren't funny people like they all know david Duchovny, julianne moore orlando jones and sean william scott really make the the 
um, the main cast. These are funny people. It's just like it. Yeah, the, the, no one on this set seemed to understand how comedy works. They knew what comedy looks like. They just didn't understand how it works because it, it, every time it fell flat. Is that an issue with the acting or the directing, though? And and I say that I'd actually say directing. I'd almost. I yeah. say that knowing that Ivan Reitman has comedic directing chops. Like we we were joking in our pitch about the movie that it's Ghostbusters, and you can see the Ghostbusters DNA in it. And I mean Ivan Reitman, but it just it kind of fails here. And and you, when you take funny people and direct them to not be funny, like is that is that what the result is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, most, like, you know, they are the directors, so the the failures of the film rest on their shoulders. Doubly so, kind of, in this case. I had mentioned while we were watching that I felt like there was the DNA of a good horror movie in this that had been co-opted into a comedy at some point. And while we were preparing to record, Greg found a little bit of trivia mm-hmm. Uh that confirms that that was literally the case. Uh, it was a horror film that Ivan Reitman then rewrote as a comedy. Well, technically, it was a it was a serious science fiction. Oh no, you're right. See, serious science fiction horror film. I'm just reading the Wikipedia. So right Wikipedia now, so. says serious. Wikipedia says serious science fiction horror, and IMDb says serious science fiction thriller. I mean, kind of splitting hairs, but uh, yeah. not comedy. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it was apparently Reitman who had rewrote it into a comedy, so it like the it, the failures rest precisely on his soldier, uh, shoulders. Yeah, and the I mean we'll we'll hear uh, our both our premise recap in the trailer here shortly, but it, it actually follows a, a very similar premise to a film that was re- released recently, which is Life of just like an alien thing getting out of control and spawning and multiplying and growing and adapting faster than the unfortunate protagonists who find it first can keep up with. We're here to investigate the meteor, if indeed that is what it is. Oh, ooh. It's a rock that bleeds. Now that's peculiar. It's too amazing to even contemplate it. It's like they're evolving. little baby seem to be growing up. I hope they don't make it to puberty. There's a bug in my suit! You're all sealed up, that's impossible! Don't tell me I'm sealed up, I know there's a bug in my... Mysterious meteorite crashed into Stifler's car. Two college professors, Dr. Ira Fox Mulder Kane and Professor Harry Phineas Orlando Jones Block, are assigned the job of checking it out. At the site, they discover organisms not of this earth. Soon, the site is taken over by the military, forcing Ira and Harry to the sideline. Meantime, the new life forms begin to evolve out of control and start to get more and more dangerous. Joined by the CDC's Dr. Allison Reed, the two professors need to figure out how to save the planet with a pair of idiots and a fire truck full of shampoo before the government goes and makes things worse. Can we start at the start? Um, 
because I, I just <laughs> I just want to register how much I hate the cold open to this movie. Sean William Scott is in the middle of des- the desert for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pulls a mannequin out of his car, walks up to an old dilapidated shed, throws the mannequin in it, lights the shed on fire, and then proceeds to pretend rescue the mannequin from the fire. And it's it's done in a way that's... Um, I would say that Sean William Scott's performance in that scene is irritating. It's it's <laughs> far too over the top for me, and I didn't really I didn't really find this like the wacky situation like endearing or charming at all or anything. Yeah, like you're that. not like it, here's this level below trying to train for the fire department. You're like this is a crazy person. It, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's so. It's so weird and wild that when a, the meteor uh, lands on the planet, you're like, "Oh, at last, something normal has happened." <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's indicative of the rest of Sean William Scott's uh, role in this movie too, because his entire side plot is completely unnecessary. <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 baffling, and and I and I would wager to guess that like the 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 major addition that Ivan Reitman made to this film when he was rewriting it was the Sean William Scott character. Yeah, he, he probably was thinking like, oh, we need a we need a wacky sidekick for our our schlubby scientists. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in the end, his only contribution to the plot really is to get them a fire truck, and there are other ways that you could do that. Yeah, I I'm gonna cut right to a quick fix I have here because it's a real I know you know we're getting ahead but it doesn't matter the Sean William Scott premise like his whole arc could be cut or at the very least when the two idiot fat guys from the class come in and suggest the solution to fighting the the aliens there is no reason Sean William Scott's character couldn't have had that information and been the reason he's been hanging around they even set up that he works at uh, a a pool and i'm like you any pool like i I know like the whatever the chemical that they use in the movie it's like two down and over from arsenic so it's like i get the like the hand wave you selenium the the reason they pick selenium kind of makes sense whatever it could be any element i don't care but have sean william scott be the selenium hookup maybe because there's something that goes into a pool cleaning chemical or on hand at the at the country club like it was one or the other you either get the two fat guys you get sean william scott you didn't need both of them I kind of thought that when they were in the when he there's a pool scene where Sean William Scott runs into uh, the aliens, kind of uh, these uh, flatworms coming up under out of the ground, and that's that's his first contact with you know um, there's like a fishy alien in in uh, in I don't know some sort of water tank or something like that, yeah. and that's that's his first contact with like a much more animal like uh, alien, and he he literally grabs a a bottle of, um, I don't know what it is. Like it's chlorine a, Maybe or it's ammonia, chlorine or ammonia or something like that. And he's about to pour it on. He said, okay, you guys are going to die. And I was like, okay, well, that would make, that makes sense. Cause like they, you know, they, they said that, you know, they, they, they survive in a, 
uh, in a non-Earth-like atmosphere, so he's going to pour something on them and it'll make them grow faster. But that didn't happen. They, he just like he just left the shack without doing anything with them. Yeah, that the, uh, that whole I, scene, in fact, is completely pointless except to set up the jerk who gets eaten later. Uh, he goes yeah. into the pool room and sees the aliens, and literally nothing comes of it. He doesn't warn anybody about the weird worms he saw, the uh, fact that there was uh, an alien swimming around in the little chlorine tank or something doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact he was yeah. threatening them with chlorine doesn't come up. It's I have just, a theory. But, then, but to just... Liam's point, like that was like that was the perfect opportunity for him to like use that that chemical or whatever, and then Bing Bang Boom. I bet that's what that for, like, scene what? was for. And then got changed or cut to something else. Like, yeah. I guarantee you that scene was going to be him discovering that Chemical X either helps them or hurts them. And then they changed how they were going to do that and left that scene in. Because well, that's exactly where that goes in a story. Like, the character they, discovering yeah. some sort. Of, yeah, it's exactly where it goes and nothing happens. I guarantee that that uh, got changed because, A, they discovered that they wanted those two uh, larger gentleman in the movie and uh, wanted them to have something to do in the plot and B got that big big head and shoulders money and needed to get head and shoulders in there somehow <laughs> it seemed that way yeah because yeah, I was reading was a- in some of the trivia that they made weird cuts like that like I guess in the courtroom scene which also has it's full of its own problems but I guess it's, there's a version where Julianne Moore's top comes off in the courtroom what what? Uh, which is why there's that weird scene. I don't know if you remember. I remember being jarring. She's talking in the courtroom. She's talking in the courtroom. And then in the next scene, she's clutching her jacket tighter around her chest. And I was reading on the IMDb Goose. That's because there was this other scene where like she somehow her shirt comes undone. And then they decided to cut it. But they ended up having to keep the shot of her like closing up her shirt. Wow. And I bet there's a lot of that bullshit throughout this movie that we couldn't even maybe necessarily like. You'd have to watch really closely, and there's no way I'm doing that again. Uh, well, okay. it, did they did they cut that because they had the scene with Sarah Silverman who was trying to strip in a restaurant for basically no reason? Yeah, yeah Sarah Silverman I, comes out of nowhere in this movie and has one scene. So that was and the kind of scene uh, did, in did, another yeah, plot yeah. that goes nowhere. Like it's. Oh, you've introduced Ira's ex-wife now, which we didn't who we didn't know about until this scene and never see again. Yeah, like I didn't know what that was meant to establish other than uh they find out his about his character was some sort of like, I don't know, was it supposed to establish his character was some sort of ladies man that everyone wants him or something like that? I don't know. It kind of failed. Yeah. I, I, like, David Duchovny did so little in this movie, I almost kind of felt like he didn't have a character. So, it's like, I mean, outside of, like, outside of, you know, him having failed relationships, I think that's kind of the only thing I knew about him. And him being a super lazy scientist. Yeah, like something. What what exactly happened between him and the military? I don't think I fully understood. Oh, that. the he he created actually one of the only parts of the plot that I kind of liked and figured they rolled out nicely was I'd, let's I'll file this one under keeps the fact that he had invented a vaccine that was not perfect and made all the soldiers oh, right. he gave it to very sick. Right, right, right. And now every all the military hates him and he's fired. That was a perfectly good character beat and a perfectly good um uh plot bit that I can it can it can stay. Yeah, um I want to go back to that court scene. <laughs> um because <laughs> yeah, it is very weird. About it, that court scene. Well, because when it came on, I was like, what they're they're in front of a judge for arbitration over who has access to this alien dig site. 
and neither side has legal counsel with them. And Julianne Moore, CDC doctor, is uh, apparently representing the military in the court hearing. So she's also, I guess, a lawyer and a JAG officer because she's doing it for the military in addition to being the deputy director of the CDC. It just... It was so weird that she was the one lawyering that it actually, like, I can understand the two schlubby professors representing themselves. How was there not, like, a prosecutor for the government? I don't understand why there wasn't counsel there. It doesn't make sense. And it totally took uh, me out of the movie. (laughs) Scott, in Trump's America... You know, a lot of people got to wear a lot of hats, you know, they don't, they don't make it a lot of appointments. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, obviously jo- the joke with Trump's America, but this uh, much has been said, especially by one of my favorite YouTube channels, Renegade Cut on the fucking, sorry, I shouldn't swear so much, but like the Reaganomic angle of Ivan Reitman's work. Uh, and it's uh, evident in Ghostbusters if you watch it, but you know, you can kind of forgive it because it's Ghostbusters and it's awesome. In this, it's kind of on full display, like the weird, like anti government, pro private sector, yeah. you know, neoconservative nonsense is, is oh, on yeah. full display. Julianne Moore's character, Dr. Reed, at the end of the movie, just like quits. Uh, she stops working with the military and apparently also just quits the CDC in that moment and straight up tells them <laughs> all the real money is in the private sector. So. Yeah, like super. I'm I'm glad you were working to save people's lives with the Center for Disease Control and decided that it was more lucrative to go private. You're a great doctor, Doctor Reed? Question mark. Yeah, <laughs> but that that courtroom scene just really it 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 reinforced. So one of my, I will get to cuts later because I can cut that whole scene. But it just reinforced that this like um this movie like doesn't think the audience is paying attention like it, it's when people talk about a movie insulting your intelligence this movie honestly insulted our my intelligence where i'm like like we were just saying she's got these hundred jobs this courtroom scene doesn't make sense as a courtroom scene but well, it's here because it, it has to be like it, it like doesn't it even doesn't, it doesn't even have to be like it it yeah suddenly they're in court and i was like whoa how did they manage to get in front of a judge the next day and then they mention it's been two weeks and i'm like whoa, that's a huge time jump in the movie for no discernible reason in a movie where things are evolving out of control. We just had a two-week gap. Like, Yeah, that- the, t- the time the time frame on this movie is all over the place, and that's not even my biggest problem with it. Like, yeah, I just at it's... some point forgave the fact that time is not going to really matter. <laughs> well, and it doesn't, despite the fact that they've made it clear that, like, there's a serious danger to these things growing exponentially. Suddenly, just two weeks pass, and... That's a thing that happened. <laughs> it's yeah. very weird. And and it, like you mentioned, uh, I think before we started recording, how low the stakes feel in this movie for as apocalyptic a danger this is being presented yeah. as. And this was an example of it. It's like, well, two weeks pass and it was so unimportant that the movie didn't bother to show us what happened. And suddenly, like, the threat feels less dangerous Whereas if it's a tighter timeline and these things are growing and growing and growing and growing day by day, like that's more, that's more in your face. That's more threatening. Whereas two weeks passed and eh, nothing happened. Okay. So who cares? Like, (laughs) yeah. And you never, you don't see the, all the monsters run amok too much. Not really until the, the very, very end. Yeah. I think we, I think we determined there was a body count of exactly two people in this entire movie. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a couple there's a couple bad scenes where um, you know a, a group of a group of women in a home meet a monster, and then a then a guy gets eaten by like a, a bog monster of some sort, and, and things like that. But it, like it doesn't, it never really feels like anyone's in in a ton of danger despite the one guy getting murked but like it's so it, it's strange how it's just it's just not working yeah like he takes a field trip down there and they're walking around with like worms on their feet and it's like no one like yeah you like i mean i got maybe it's the 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 you know uh covid era talking but i'm like they walk right up and touch it don't yeah. touch it <laughs> they're breathing well, it in they also <laughs> They make a big deal about how these monsters have breached containment, and they don't do anything except kind of just die in our atmosphere, which, I mean, legit, but they make it clear that some of them can survive for a little while up until they evolve the ability to breathe our atmosphere, and, like, even the ones that are getting out, they don't do anything. They just crawl out, and then, oh, there's a stack of bodies over there. Oh, there's a stack of bodies over there. Do something. Kill somebody. Wreck a house. Like, run amok get spotted by the media like do something and raise the stakes and the aliens never really do right up until the end yeah. even at the yeah. end like the the whole army just like runs away <laughs> nobody nobody's in any <laughs> peril <laughs> yeah any any and you never really have to are, see like peep the people of the town uh, nearby ever uh, like have to there's no like moment where everyone's like oh crazy shit is happening down down in the desert or something like that like it's uh like even the mall that they fight the dragon in is largely empty for the most part like yep. there's yeah there's one there's one shoplifter that that uh has to deal with a um a monster but that's kind of it yeah it's just like it's not fun on that level where you where you know you have you get to see people reacting like to these strange alien creatures which you would think would be a pretty big part of like basically an alien invasion movie yep yeah well the all the conflict in this movie is between the characters yeah, more or less. Yeah, like the, the, there's almost no conflict with the creatures themselves. It's it's the government ransacking them, and then the government haranguing them, uh, and then them disagreeing on how to do things um, internally. Um, and, he, and even that is done fairly poorly, and I, and I think that's largely because um, at least I felt that I didn't understand most of the character motivations, particularly like Orlando Jones's character, like. I just didn't get what his deal was. Like, I didn't understand why he was interested in going out and doing a geological survey. And then, like, the next scene doesn't seem to give a shit about anything that they found there. Like, I did, like it just... I don't know. There's nothing... His character doesn't make any sense to me. And he also felt like he kind of, like, erred wildly from, like, kind of like a... Um, almost like a huckster to to like a, a goofball to like a, a straight man and just like he never that character never felt even to me i agree he's set up early in the movie is kind of like semi-serious maybe the guy yeah. who's more serious than ira because ira's the one who like david duchovny's character is the one who's kind of like lackadaisical and doesn't really take it seriously and doesn't really care uh and then like Early on in the movie, they kind of shift, and Ira's taking it seriously, and Orlando Jones doesn't seem to care. And then Orlando Jones is the one doing all the crazy, like, goofball hijinks. You're absolutely right. His character is all over the map. 
any any hard keeps like what 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 do we want to see stick around before we start you know i i mean honestly it might seem like the fix to this movie is like don't (laughs) (laughs) i like the i do like the the premise of the monsters at least hey like i think they looked good too yeah, I think it was. I think it was neat that they they you know there was like a they had a, an incompatible atmosphere and they were but they are still they're finding ways to adapt to it. All that stuff was pretty cool. Um, the stages with which they evolve was was sort of interesting. Yeah, that was fun. The, that was fun to see like them to go from like flatworms to little oh, sea creatures and then bipedal animals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was like all that stuff um, was. You know, at least the concept was, I don't know about the execution, but the concept it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I, I like the idea of uh, it being a small town alien invasion. And before the big government agencies can get there, a bunch of schlubby community college professors discover it and mm-hmm. are the, and, and are then kind of like at the center of trying to uh, suss out the mystery and figure out a fix to it. I think that that's a solid idea too. Um, again, the execution is perhaps not quite there, but uh, but I do like that idea. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't have a whole lot of keeps for this guy. I mean, it's just not a lot. The aesthetic was fine. Like, I, I, yeah, yeah. The soundtrack was weird. Yeah, the soundtrack was weird. I don't. Even, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I will say this, there's a scene towards like the the beginning of the third act of the movie where they're all heading back to the community college and instead of evacuating, which like, because there's going to be a napalm drop the next day on the aliens and the city, like the town is being evacuated, but all the community college kids are instead having a party. And there was a time when I might've said that that was a very unrealistic view of what people might do in a crisis when they're being told to do something for their safety. And if there's one thing that like today has taught me, it's that that's actually probably the most realistic part of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) So sad. Uh, Okay. I have a keep that might be somewhat controversial. Um, Mm -hmm. I would actually keep uh, Dan Aykroyd as the uh, governor character. Oh, he's great. Oh yeah. Uh, he he had I think he had the line that made me laugh the most, uh, which was towards the end of the of the film, uh, the military is getting ready for a big old I think it was a napalm strike on yep, yeah. the uh, cavern where all the aliens are, uh, and he's sitting down at a tent and he he turns to his general and says I, I want a pair of spy glasses and a hot chocolate, <laughs> yeah. just that just delighted me. He even says that after saying to him, he's like, "Oh, are you keeping your are you keeping my chair warm for me?" And then the guy gets up out of his chair, and I'm like, "This is great!" Like he's just yeah, just point a camera at Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I like I like the idea of Dan Aykroyd as the mayor character from Ghostbusters. That works for me. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, no. Question. I mean, the the cast was not the whole cast. Uh, I like Julianne Moore. I really like Julianne Moore. Uh, oh, I, I wish watch her at anything. I wish that they hadn't decided that her one notable character trait is she's clumsy. Lol. <laughs> I can't vet this. It's from the IMDb trivia uh, section, so this is has zero corroboration. But apparently, that was her idea. Maybe because she didn't have much else have to do. Anything to do? Yeah. <laughs> can I please have anything? Just any? Yeah. Can I please have something? 
We've you got this weird if, scene we'll probably cut where I rip my tits out. Uh, can I please be clumsy or yeah. something? If, <laughs> so far, the, if when I'm Julian looking at this Moore, script, all I do is walk on set, get objectified, and leave. So maybe I can do something a little bit more, please. If Julianne yeah. Moore wants to fall down in a movie, Julianne Moore is allowed to fall down <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is my feeling on that. I, I So then I will take this back a further step and not say that I wish clumsiness wasn't her only character trait. I wish that she had been given a better character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or at least maybe her clumsiness. Like, because her clumsiness doesn't pay off in any way, right? Like, if you're going to introduce mm-hmm. a character trait like that, like, it should... It should have some effect on the plot at some point, right? Or at least if you're keeping it a comedy, and I think that's questionable as we move into our uh, fixes, uh, at the very least, it needs to set up a very funny punchline later on. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, if, if not part of the plot, at least part of a, a, a scene where like, she's got to be the one to carry the Petri dish. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe there's a little more to this uh, than I had originally. Uh, I really I was coming into this with low, like just like burn it all, like much like an alien invasion, just burn it all and start fresh. But here's what uh, we've learned Ghostbusters through this movie. three at the top of the page, and and just you know. here's <laughs> yeah. Here's what we've learned in this movie, though, Liam, is that you can't burn this movie because it will just get bigger and grosser. Instead, have you to have to it. you have to wash it. You have to give it a good shampooing, and that'll take care of. Well, let's roll up our sleeves, fellas, and uh, uh, scrub down this disgusting meteor. Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Hosts Tanya Ball, Sheila LaRock, and Kayla Larson are three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland. Now they have banded together to chat books, culture, and anything else that comes up. Book Women was recently added to Indian and Cowboys podcast incubator program for emerging voices that contribute positively to the Indigenous podcasting space. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. Welcome back, everyone, to I Have Some Notes. We're discussing Evolution, the Ivan Reitman film from 2001. And, yeah, let's try to fix this. Let's wash it up. All right. Well, first things first, I think. We need to pick a genre for this movie. And I don't think comedy is the correct one. I'm going to keep... <laughs> my fixes involve it maintaining a comedy. Uh, a, a action sci-fi comedy, uh, especially from that era, especially from Ivan Reitman, is not too tall in order to fulfill on this back of this premise. Fair enough. But I mean, like, we can lean more heavily into the horror or the sci-fi and still have comedic beats. Oh, oh, for sure. And you're, you're welcome to fix your version all you want. <laughs> mine, is a, mine is a comedy, and my fix is... There are jokes in it. <laughs> okay, uh, that is a movie. Um, yeah. Let's let's maybe try to fix it better than that. Well, not bad. I don't think it's a better thing. Is is wait? Hang on. Is the premise of our podcast that we have to collectively fix one, or can we all come with our own like version? Because that's in like yeah. I yeah we we have like especially recently we've tried to sort our of show like, evolved yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like we and it's we getting out to, of control. Let's napalm it. Uh, yeah, we used to actually be quite strict about like everyone had to come to the table with their own fixes, but now we kind of workshop it just because um, it's well, it's easier that way for one thing, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more writer roomy. Yeah, I think, and, 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 and honestly, it, we feel that we come up with better movie pitches that way. Yeah, that's fair. 
well, you're going to have to fight me on comedy because I'm keeping mine of comedy. <laughs> Again, I, but I no, think but that there's, but, yeah. there's room for comedy in a horror movie. And uh, there are many funny horror movies that mm-hmm. fit the bill. Yeah. One that comes yeah. to mind because of this movie trying to be a comedy is Slither. Slither is a funny movie. And it's a dark comedy because it's also a horror movie. But it it's funny and quite good. Yeah. So it can be done. Uh, I, I guess think that this Tremors movie, would probably fall in that category too. I would agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie, I think, needs to lean more into the horror. And part of the reason I'm saying that is not just because I don't think it works as a comedy. It's also because I feel that you, in fact, Liam, uh, yep. hit the nail on the head when you said that there's no stakes in this movie. Mm-hmm. And by making it a horror movie and by making it a little more visceral and upping the body count, I think that you you up the stakes in a very interesting way that makes it so that there's tension for the audience and there's, there's conflict for the characters outside of just, Oh, we don't like that general. He's a jerk. That's fair. I didn't even realize we were supposed to dislike the general. That's how little I thought of him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've, I've committed emotionally to three of these four main characters and that's about it. (laughs) I mean, the, this, I think all the, um, Ghostbuster, uh, references we made um, in the last half are are fairly apt because you can you could easily see the connective tissue of Ghostbusters in this particular movie that you know you've got the kind of the schlubby uh, scientist types who 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 may not be super great at their job um, you've got the um, you know government agents who who barely know what they're doing and, and don't understand the, the threat super well. Um, and, and, and the, the thing that I, I think that evolution misses that the Ghostbusters had was that the threat of the ghosts in Ghostbusters was very real. Mm-hmm. And while there were comedy, there were goofy bits um, with the ghosts themselves in, in, uh, in Ghostbusters, generally they felt, very menacing mm-hmm. and and you understood that um that they were that they were a threat and 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 it was fun watching a, a bunch of guys who who heart almost didn't know what they were doing uh, deal with that threat and that in in lies where the comedy came from yeah in evolution the, you the the characters are all beyond goofy and the uh, alien presence is also beyond goofy. Uh, and there's no contrast with which for comedy to blossom or evolve, <laughs> if you will. It, and I think that it was, you, it was something you had said in the first half, too, is you don't get to see the sort of uh, every, how the populace is reacting to it. And I think about Ghostbusters and the scene where the, the ghosts seem the most menacing is the montage. Yeah. Where they're answering the calls and they're going out and they're busting ghosts and New York both is terrified and loves them. And if there was yeah. a like some, you know, yeah, like that's that kind of kills in that movie, it kills two birds with one stone. And this movie lacks both those things. And also there's a there's a great scene <clears throat> in Ghostbusters after the uh, after the um, the ecto containment system explodes where um, ghosts are flying all over New York and and uh, causing all kinds of havoc um 
and the you know it's it's quite clear that like this is this is real bad and and uh but then we get to Dana Barrett's uh apartment and the movie the soundtrack changes gets really serious and there's like a big explosion in her apartment and it's just like it's a moment where it's just like oh shit like things just got real mm-hmm. you know and that and that contrast with the uh w- with you know the comedy of the movie it just works so well Ghostbusters, yeah. just, it's a brilliant movie. I love it. Uh, <laughs> and let's, another, let's watch Ghostbusters. <laughs> another yeah, this... good example of uh, of a comedy horror movie is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, and it's and it's because it follows the same kind of uh, basic formula that you were describing. It's a bunch of goofballs who are stuck in a very threatening, very real situation. In that case, a zombie apocalypse, and. While they, at least at first, are not taking it super seriously, there is a serious menacing threat that is always around them. And you feel that pressure on them, even if they don't seem to recognize the danger the way that we, the audience, do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's encapsulated perfectly in the in the first scene where, where Sean um, walks to the convenience store just away from, apart from his house, right? And he's just like... He's so he's so clueless that he's not noticing the disaster around him. But like, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 movie plays it very like the zombies very serious. So the audience knows that like he's in he's in danger. But the comedy comes from him not <laughs> not uh, being aware of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you if you think about how many m- movies we've cited that are are doing what this movie does better, I it, sitting here like listening to to that made me realize like, you know that the biggest problem with this flick is it's like it's never learned its lesson from the movies that have come before it it's like were you not paying attention like we we've you should know how to do this if you're gonna make this kind particularly of particularly ivan reitman particularly ivan reitman movies. like this it, it's like this movie has not been paying attention to anything since ghost but not even because it's, it's like lessons you should learn of ghost should have learned in ghostbusters you should be able to bring here and it's not plot points i'm not i'm not saying i just want ghostbusters again though a little bit i do um this movie very well could have just been two ghostbusters and it like just i said that in our discord chat this this if if there was just if uh ghostbusters split off and became just a redundant ghostbusters where this movie occupies in the universe i'd be okay with that but i digress yeah this movie didn't like it doesn't do anything well that it should know everyone in this movie should know better yeah I, I as far as like you know maybe let's uh, i'll uh i'll suggest some some actual fixes other than do this better or or make evolution ghostbusters again well, like, well hang on i want to i'm not it's not just what i'm saying it's 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 more that they like didn't they they don't know what they're doing, or they didn't care to try. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I that wasn't a criticism on oh, you. I was, no. I was, <laughs> I was just more making light of of where we're at in terms yeah, of fair. in terms of uh, workshopping this thing. Because um, I, I I I I kind of feel like I I didn't mind the the idea that like, these guys are are schlubby scientists who um, just sort of happen upon this amazing discovery. That part's kind of fun. Um, and I think if Orlando Jones's character was a little bit more streamlined where, um, you know, if he, he was more like either like a protege to, um, David Duchovny's character or, or that like, you know, David Duchovny, his character, he's, you know, he, because of his relationship to the military, he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, um, not this, not, 
uh, the scientist and standing that he used to be. And Orlando Jones is sort of like aspiring to what David Duchovny used to be. So mm-hmm. then you get the situation where where Orlando Jones's character is is super gung ho to um, go find this asteroid that crashed and stuff like that. He wants to, you know, he's interested in learning about all this stuff. Um, and um, David Duchovny's character is kind of. Uh, more like quite resistant to it. He's not the he's not the one who's he he doesn't want to go at all, um, because he you know he doesn't want to be sort of like introduced back into that part of his life, right? Mm-hmm. So that uh, and I I think um, you know I think it would be fun through sort of like this um, somewhat comedy of errors of, between you know the relationship of Duchovny and Orlando Jones. Like you know they they try they try their very best to um to research these these creatures and stuff like that but you know they they end up sort of unleashing it onto the world and 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 uh and then that is when the military rolls in that's great i love that a lot and it i I think yeah it 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 adds better stakes too Mm -hmm. well yeah because then they feel responsible for the proliferation of the aliens yeah, and again, it gives David Duchovny a little bit of an art because that way he's 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 being forced into into a life that he's left behind, or he doesn't feel you know maybe you know his his confidence is completely wrecked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe and maybe um, Julianne Moore's character can be a bit of a of a gateway for him to. Um, get back in it you know if she's a cdc character she can she can be something you know she can be that person who's like oh you know i read i read your papers they were brilliant like it's 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 awful what happened to you you know like you know mistakes happen in the in the scientific community right that kind of thing you know she can be kind she can kind of act as a bit of a lifeline for him also, also, uh, I would cut the romantic interest between the two of them because I, I like doing that in a lot of movies. Cause I, yeah. You know, I, most of the time it's wholly unnecessary. It is wholly unnecessary here. Uh, I think that uh, while I like the idea of them being at least feeling responsible for the proliferation of the aliens, I think that it needs to be I, – I don't think that it can be directly on their hands because I think that makes them kind of unforgivable. Uh, I think that though maybe they don't catch – that it is proliferating until it's too late, and that's why the army needs to come in. And yeah, that's, that, that's that, fine. So yeah. they can still feel responsible that, oh, we, we should have noticed this earlier, but uh, it's not like, oh, you know, we we were spreading alien goo all over the city because we thought it was funny. Like... <laughs> What That's... what I what I do like about it being their fault a little bit is that it's it's kind of like a, um you know it it's um it's David Duchovny reliving what he's gone through before right yeah and that but that, I think that you can tie that in I think that it can be. I like the idea that they don't notice, like they miss something, and that's why they don't notice that it's proliferating at first. Mm-hmm. And you can tie that into, like, change whatever, rather than the vaccine or something, or even with the vaccine that he developed for the military, make it so that he missed a detail and it yeah. caused harm. And so it's you still have him reaching his low point of, oh, God, it's happening again. Yeah. And then he, he, like, Orlando Jones and Julianne Moore need to help build him back up so that he can save the day. Because yeah. I, I assume David Duchovny is still our protagonist, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you can you can. I'd say, like I said in the beginning, we either cut um, uh, the the two Ethan Supley and company, or we cut Sean William Scott. Don't need them both, but the rest of the cast is fine. I, I don't love Orlando Jones, but he's allowed to work. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that like you could you could potentially keep like a, a Sean William Scott and just make him like part of the the class yeah. or whatever that's helping them out, kind of thing. You know. Uh, you know, they there there was at least a, a a moderately interesting cast of characters within their classroom that that could create some comedic moments for us. You know, the um, you know having the you know the completely clueless guy and the and the two really dumb kids and the and the 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 the, the prissy um, teen or whatever, like all that stuff. You know, works. And they're yeah. they're good. Comedic, John Cho comedic, in a throwaway good, cameo. Yeah. Yeah, good comedic tropes to lean on if you have to do it that way kind of thing. Yep, I would agree. Uh, however, if we are turning this into more of a horror movie, most of those students will be dead by the end of the uh, movie. Sweet. Good. We I like them, <laughs> and that makes a good horror movie if I like them and then they die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just that. I mean, like, the, the town needs to get wrecked before the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Ghostbuster style. Sorry. <laughs> Last time I'll use the G word. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, I mean, like, there's a structural fix I did want to pitch. Um, I, I, I when I was talking about stakes and how it's a lot of the conflict is just between the 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 the, the people uh, and not these aliens. Uh, the movie's also just shy of two hours. Definitely, we can lose 10, 15 minutes just wholesale. And my pitch would be the courtroom scene. So there's no there's no mm-hmm. conflict of them being like who's got jurisdiction to be here. That's not a scene. Yeah, it was um, kind of weird because like to me it's like well clearly they don't. Yeah, they're just they they're don't. just professors. Like, why would they have jurisdiction? And and your fix anything? of them being having been the first ones in there, I think, Greg. Like, I mean, they are in the movie, but like the way you describe it, Greg, I think would sort of uh, iron out that wrinkle. Uh, and yeah. the other thing I would have them cut is that where they get ransacked by the government, uh, and then have to feel like justified in trying to steal back samples. That yeah. whole chunk, those two, those two scenes, if they just go, and we get a little bit more of uh, conflict with the actual creatures. Uh, I yeah. think we're already off to a, 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 an improved movie. Well, our story already is kind of taking care of that because if our yeah. our new pitch has David Duchovny's arc being, oh, we screwed up and now the army needs to come in and fix things, then like if he feels that he's responsible for it, he's going to be less resistant to the army showing up. Mm-hmm. And, and if he's less resistant to the army showing up, then there's no reason for them to take them to court and for us to lose two weeks for some reason, question mark. And there's also less reason for the army to ransack him because they're just going to confiscate all of his notes and he's just going to be okay with it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. there you go. Like, and then what I like, what I like about the, uh, the um, army showing up a little bit later is that, you know, it, it can be, you know, a close to the end of end of the second act type thing where, you know, he's, you know, he's responsible for all these, you know, this thing getting free. And then suddenly the army shows up and, and there's someone within the army. Maybe the general is like, who knows exactly who David Duchovny is and, and what he did while he was working at the army. Kind and of thing. you so just bungled like, it again. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so his past is really in his face now. Right. Well, and I also, I also like the idea of the army showing up toward the end of the second act after we've seen Orlando Jones and David Duchovny uh, kind of fumble their way through this alien plot and and make a like just make a mess of it. 
And then the army shows up and you have that like hope spot where you're like, oh, capable people are now here and they're going to fix it. And then they make it worse. Yeah. And it's and it's up to David <laughs> Duchovny to save the day. Like that gives him his opportunity to be a hero. And Ooh. it also like it it's it's a it's a bit of a reversal for the audience. Like, oh, the smart people are here. Oh, no, they're actually just as stupid or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so another another uh, uh tweak on that would be that the the army comes in and they and they seem like they're competent enough to to fix it but then the uh the governor gets himself involved and then you get a chance for the governor to be like the 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 irritating uh government figure who doesn't understand uh the what's at stake and and how and what you know all the lives that are at stake uh and also would be pretty apropos about what we're experiencing right Mm -hmm. now yeah. About uh, politicians sticking their nose in a crisis and making things worse. Yeah. Yeah, if, if anything, uh, uh, the, the, the governor character in this movie doesn't really help or hinder. Like, he's... Yeah. He's just he, take, he takes whatever advice he's given in a scene, signs off on it, and then takes the next advice he's given in the next scene and signs off yeah. on it. Yeah, it seems it seems like this this would make his character much more interesting and potentially um, you know, uh, uh, more potential for comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, um, and, and I know it sort of seems glib to say just like, oh, make the jokes better, but like, I, I truly watching this don't <laughs> think the people who wrote it have a full grasp on how comedy works, and just having some real comedy writers take a genuine pass at this, rearrange some of the jokes, place them a little better, it, it and not punch up, I mean before the movie got shot. I, I felt like didn't. sometimes even just just the timing. Yeah, just the time, like tweaked, you know. Also, we kept pointing out uh, during our watch of it how it felt like the writers had never actually spoken to a real human woman. Yeah, that was my next point. I'm glad (laughs) we got there. It, oh, I. It seems like virtue signaling. Uh, I'm not just trying to like look for pats on the back. This the way this movie treats women is ridiculous, even compared to some of the older movies I've watched recently that treat women very poorly. Yeah, fucked. It was it was at the point where um, Julianne Moore like I think it was her her first clumsy pratfall where she she fell down and like her garter was exposed or yeah. something like that and it was like it was like, so Ooh. yeah it was yeah it was just weird <laughs> and kind of and and sort of like weirdly gross just the way that like Orlando Jones and David Duchovny like sort of commented on it um, just to you know felt icky by by modern standards for sure. And it felt just even kind of weak by 2001 standards. Like it just was like, yeah. it's just like, like at one point he walks, David Duchovny walks away. He's like, yeah, I got her. It's every, everything, everything Julianne Moore did was through the filter of whether or not David Duchovny wanted to fuck her. And it's exhausting. I'm done with yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Even, even Sarah Silverman's whole bit was like, do you want me to take my shirt off in this, in this restaurant? I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Bye. That was my bit. Yeah. That was something. <laughs> yeah, that's another that's, scene that we can. That's lose really with, where the movie lost. With me with all due respect to Sarah Silverman, uh, we can lose that scene as well. Yeah, I feel like we might have we've we've got a good layer of grime off this otherwise pristine meteorite full of rich creative yes. life. I look yeah, forward no, I to think, never watching it again. Yeah, <laughs> but on the other hand, I feel like we've uh, we've pitched a, a more solid movie out of it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, and a little... and a much gorier movie. 
yeah, just just up the stakes and therefore uh, uh, horror movie style thrills. Uh, tighten up the jokes, tighten up the approach to women, and uh, clean up some of the the um, the you know the kind of extraneous plot points. Uh, it's almost like sci-fi adventure comedies write themselves, and this should have been a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's uh, reflected in our listener comments. Uh, uh, thank you again to everyone who commented on the film. Uh, you can follow us on social media, and we'll always solicit your comments and uh, read them on the show. So uh, please uh, feel free to get involved in that. We really do appreciate your contributions. Uh, and uh, this week we had uh, some great posts. Uh, first one from Evan T. Adams says, Great Gungamunga is still one of my favorite movie expletives. I honestly don't remember when that was said. When was the when did I they forget say who that? said I think it's either it's either Orlando Jones or Dan Aykroyd says it. Uh yeah, that seems likely. Um there is a line that Orlando Jones says towards the very end of the movie where he's coming out of the alien sphincter. Uh, it makes sense in context and uh says you would not believe the things that I have seen in there and that I remember laughing at that line in the theater and it still actually made me smile. So there are a couple lines in this movie yeah. which are like bordering on funny <laughs> that that bear that bear mentioning. Uh Tech uh had lots to say for us and we appreciate that. Uh for comedies, it's really hard to say tell better jokes, tell jokes better. <laughs> But we wouldn't have to be here if they had, uh, which is a lot of what I was, what I was saying. <laughs> I think true. this movie suffers from both. Uh, I think this movie suffers from both, but I can only offer non-joke changes to make better joke fodder. Which I think sort of what we touched which on. Which is yet. more or less what we did, yeah. Yeah, putting yeah. putting characters in positions for comedy instead of trying to force comedy onto a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, how about make Ira a sleazy conspiracy theorist that doesn't believe in what he's selling and keep Harry as the professor? That way, Ira's obsession with the alien stuff starts out as him on the right track, but he's got his big next big hoax. Thinking he's got his next big hoax. That makes sense. Harry remains the reluctant neurotic scientist that recognizes the danger despite everyone else's blissfully ignoring it. Uh, that furthers the scathing commentary running gag of people slow to recognize and properly react to the ever-evolving threat. Uh, and make Allison less clumsy and more sophisticated and successful version of Ira so that the love dynamic is more interesting. Uh, they're both con artists in their own way. Yeah, that's a, that's a take. Don't know that we, we agree, but uh, certainly an option. I, it's interesting to, to make him a, a conspiracy theorist. I, um, uh, yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> they're, just, they're definitely more of an opportunity, maybe more of an opportunity for comedy within that. Um, you know, playing off the straight, uh, you know, you've made uh, Orlando Jones's character a straight man now. So like that, that can certainly work. I'm going to pitch an alternate uh, suggestion to uh, the pitch we're getting from Tack here, actually. Why not make Orlando Jones the conspiracy theorist and have Ira be the straight man scientist? And I say that entirely because David Duchovny already plays a conspiracy theorist on the X-Files, yeah, which is contemporary to this. And I think that that would be a, a more humorous uh, juxtaposition to have him play the, the hard skeptic mm-hmm. uh, opposite Orlando Jones being the more like hardcore conspiracy theorist. I think that would be that in itself would be kind of like meta comedy because he's playing against the Fox Mulder type. We're familiar with him. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think maybe in this movie he leaned too hard into the Red Shoe Diaries trope. Uh, Tony says, um, 
Uh, I cannot look at a bottle of Head and Shoulders without thinking about this movie. And on that, I'm going to go get some. Uh, go get me some ice cream. It doesn't matter what flavor. That was definitely the funniest line in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the butt the, stuff, can, not necessarily, but the line about getting ice cream for his butt, definitely funny. Yeah. Get me ice cream. There, what flavor? It doesn't matter. It's for my butt. That was the joke. Speaking of the Head and Shoulders, that stinger with what was basically a head and shoulders ad was just the weirdest thing. Yep. Like it wasn't like there was nothing like I, I it had, it was being played off. Like it was some sort of a uh, funny, clever stinger, but it was just like, wow, I just watched an ad. Why, why was there an ad at the end of this movie? Yeah, it was dumb. It was real yeah. dumb. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just a dumb stinger. I have a real, uh, it, I have a real uh, sore spot for movies that try to just end on a big gimmicky laugh. Um, mm-hmm. 40 year old version is one of my favorite movies, but the fact that it ends on age of Aquarius always bothers me. Uh, Tropic thunder is great. And the fact that it's uh, what's his name dancing for the end of it drives me up the wall. And then, so this thing at the end here, I was like, yep, more of the exact thing I hate. They have, why would you not <laughs> put this awful cherry on top evolution? Thank yeah, you. Thank you for cementing how much I hate you movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, I can't help but wonder if it was part of their contract with Head and Shoulders that they had to do that. Uh, I, and again, I don't know why I get so deep into the trivia on these things, but apparently it was Jason Reitman's idea. Okay. <laughs> so sure. no, it was it wasn't cor- it wasn't corporate. It was like a fifteen year old. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. It's it was weird. Though I I do maintain I think that there was a different chemical plot going on and then they got that sweet sweet head and shoulders money and suddenly head and shoulders is the cure to everything potentially yeah 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 there definitely was a better spot for them to figure out what chemical beat the thing <laughs> there's a million other places it could have gone in the movie except for five minutes to go also that yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> speaking of I'm bring speaking of I'm bringing in notes with five minutes left in the pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was, uh, yeah, this was a, a, a great, great uh, session of note giving to a, a movie that certainly needed it. Uh, it had a very cool premise. Like I said, it was very similar to Life, uh, that movie that just came out recently. Do you just want to watch Life maybe next then? I mean, it's on Netflix. It's, yeah. Let's do it. We'll see if we have the same notes. Let's see if our, our thing of like, no, make it a horror movie holds up. And then we're watching Life. It's like, this needs to be a dumb comedy. <laughs> this should have been a comedy. <laughs> why have, why haven't they commented on that woman's breasts yet? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, sweet. Well, yeah, if you want to uh, get in on uh, either, uh, not only uh, uh, offering up uh, your comments, uh, like the, the folks who did on this episode uh, on our social media, but we also, uh, since we're all in, in uh, you know social distancing and quarantine, uh, we've been doing more episodes and we've been doing watch parties. So if you'd like to join us on our watch parties, we have a Discord channel and we chit chat uh, and and uh, comment about the movie, notarize the movie, make fun of the movie as we watch it. And we would love, love, love for you to join us. You can uh, find out those links uh, by following us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can find our podcast feed at IHaveSomeNotes.com. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can find all our episodes on the CKUA radio app downloaded from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of our sibling shows over at the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We post new episodes every week, so tune in a week from now when we watch Life. You can stream Life on Netflix, uh, so if you want to watch it ahead of next week's episode, uh, we would certainly encourage that and love the participation. Uh, I've been your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. 
and washing your hair. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small local business, and like many of you, it's been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business has not changed, and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. Find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. 